0: So let's get into it today. But before I do, I kind of want to just have just a uh, just want to kind of share my heart about this next year uh, here at Living Word. And I've you know I've been here about three and a half months. And when I came to Living Word, you know I went through the call process, and when I when I was installed as, as pastor here, my goal for the first three months was just to listen. I don't know how well I did that as far as, like, I, I really felt like God was like, don't say a lot, just listen to the people and listen to the hearts. And you've gotten to know me over three months. I can't, I just, I have to talk, I can't, you know, <laughs> I, but I did listen. I listened very, very closely to what what you were saying, what was in your hearts, what, what I've noticed, and one of the main reasons why I, I was so interested about coming and being a part of this church family was your hearts for your church. This is a people that loves their church and they love their community. And it is very, very special to see. And as I was praying and as I've been listening, well, in fact, during the call process, one of the gentlemen asked me in a Q&A and they said, Pastor Eric, what's your vision for the church? And I thought that was an interesting question because I had to answer in this way. I said, i don 't think it 's about what 's my vision for the church. I think the vision for living Word is in the hearts of the people, and I was right and so for the past three months i 've been listening to your hearts and i 've been listening to what 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 is your passion about your church what is What, what do you love about your church and i 've taken those and i 've gone to, to board meetings and i 've listened and I went to planning meetings and I listened I went to worship m- committee meetings, and I went to uh, all the different meetings, and I just kind of listened to the heart of the church. And I think that it's there's something that when I came to this church the vision was already here. The vision for the church was already here. Proverbs 29:11 says where there is no prophetic vision people are discouraged. They cast off restraint. Vision is very important for the church. Vision keeps us focused, motivated, encouraged and gives us purpose for our church. And as I was, I was driving down two twenty fourth 24th on my way home, uh, I can't remember where I was going. I went to the bank or something. And I felt like the Lord whisper a phrase of vision for the church. And I'm going to express that this year by having a theme for the year for the church. Okay, And all the theme is, is it's a phrase to gather around that summarizes the direction of where God wants to take us. Okay? It doesn't change what we're doing. It doesn't change anything. All it does is just give us a little bit of direction. And all this month, the sermons will be slowly unveiling and describing the spiritual direction and vision that God is leading us towards in 2024. I'll be bringing more clarity over the next couple years, so be sure to be here. And if you do have to miss, tune in on the podcast or the YouTube because I believe that it is very important. And always, if you have any questions about that, please reach out to me and I'll be sure to bring you more clarity. You know, a lot of businesses have themes and, and it's just a theme for the year that just help us focus as a church community. Now today, as we remember the baptism of Jesus... I'm always I, The baptism of Jesus is one of my favorite stories because we see the unveiling of the Godhead. We see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit converge as one. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture. And there's ways that we, as the body of Christ, become unified with our God through Holy Communion, which we're going to celebrate in a couple minutes, uh, through our own baptism, which we remember and celebrate often, and prayer to name a few. And after participating in three days of prayer, and thank you to everyone who was a participant, you prayed at home, you came in here to pray, I want to challenge us, and I want to encourage us to take a moment today over the next few minutes and take a look at our prayer lives. Now, there's a a couple quotes about prayer that I want to read. And these aren't scriptures, these are just quotes by someone you may have heard of. First one is, pray... And let God worry. It's funny, we as people, we love to worry. I don't know why. We like to worry because we like to be in control. But this quote says, is just a reminder, hey, let's pray and let's get, let God do the worrying. The next quote is this. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. This quote is... No one can believe how powerful prayer is and what it can affect except those who have learned it by experience. Whenever I pray earnestly, I have been and heard more than I have prayed for. God sometimes delays, but he always comes. And then finally, prayer is a strong wall and a fortress of the church. It is a godly Christian weapon. And those are quotes made by a gentleman you may have heard of named Martin Luther. The time of his ministry, these are things he uncovered about prayer. And the truth still rings true today. I want to go through the passage of Scripture, actually, that is a few verses before the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. We're just going to take three verses, and over the next couple minutes, break them down and see what the Lord has for us. Matthew 6, 5 says, And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners, they may have been, uh, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. The first thing Jesus teaches us is how not to pray. When he is addressing with this example is the condition of the heart. He's saying, look It's not about how you sound or where you stand. He's addressing the heart of prayer. Prayer is not a performance to showcase our personal spirituality. I knew this woman, her name was Mrs. Robinson, she was from Korea. Uh, I believe she, she either snuck out or defected or something, she, but she got out of Korea, North Korea, and she was probably 90 years old, and she walked bent over like this, and she walked that all the way, everywhere she went, she was just like this, and she had to look up kind of like that, she walked that way because she spent so much time in prayer. I would come to the church. She had a deal with the janitor of the church I was at. The janitor would open the door at 4 o'clock in the morning. She would come in just like this and look around. She'd go and she would kneel down at this couch out in the little entryway and she would pray for four hours every single day. And she always smiled. She was one of the most amazing prayer warriors I had ever met. I, don't, I never had a conversation with her. She went to our church for years, but she was dedicated her life to prayer. And I believe that this is the most vital ministry in the church today is intercessory prayer. As church members, I, and, and I forget this often too, we plan and we work and we strive, but I don't always pray. Martin Luther even said, I have so much to do in my ministry, I must spend at least two hours a day in prayer. And I thought, that's not like very time efficient. If you have so much to do and only so many hours, why are you spending too much? Because he understood a principle, a spiritual principle of prayer that God would honor his time and allow his mind and spirit to be sharp in what he was doing. So many people, myself included, many times we feel as if our prayers are not heard, or they're not powerful enough, or we don't know the right words to say, or we don't know enough scripture. True prayer is a humble heart posture and a vulnerability before God. If we look in the Old Testament, we see Samuel's mother, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. Her name was Hannah. Now, Hannah was barren. And there was another wife to her husband that could have children. And she was bullied, and she was downcast, and she was made fun of because she couldn't have children. And so she went before the Lord, and she began to pray. And she began to cry out to God in her despair. And she began to travail, and she prayed. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 1, 12-15. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. the Lord Hannah's prayers were pure. She didn't have the right words. She didn't have the 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 eloquency or 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 the display to make herself look spiritual. All she had was a heart that was broken before God. And we know Hannah's prayers were answered and she gave birth to Samuel who was like I said, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Her prayers were heard by God and answered according to god's plan you see prayer is not about eloquent words and spiritual performance but about the position of our hearts before our god let me say that one more time prayer is not about eloquent words and spiritual performance but about the position of our heart before our god matthew 6 6 says this when you pray Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now the word secret is a Greek word, kruptos, and it means hidden or concealed. Now room or inner room in the Greek is tam on, and it means a storage chamber or an interchanger chamber. See, Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's saying to us as well, reminding us today that true and authentic prayer begins when we are alone with God. When we go to a secret room or an inner chamber where no one is around but us and God. We need to find our secret place with God. And I just want to remind everybody here that we have a prayer room at the end of the office hall. And anytime you need to pray, come in, gather some friends, gather some church members, come and pray. It is open for us to use. Now, when we get alone with the Lord, when we have a healthy prayer life, there's a few things that the Holy Spirit will develop when we are alone with Him. Number one is confession through conviction. Now, remember, conviction is holy. Conviction is sweet. I want to be convicted of my sins. Now, Satan wants us to feel guilty. The Holy Spirit wants to convict us to lead us to repentance so that we can leave those sins that he died for behind. Oh, lost my notes here. Confession through conviction. The next thing is vulnerability and humility. It is okay to be vulnerable before God. Hannah was vulnerable before the Lord. She prayed. She didn't have the words. She's just crying out in her spirit. Reverence and fear of the Lord. We will develop, when we spend time with the Lord, we will develop that reverence toward Him, that fear of the Lord, that healthy, righteous fear spiritual discernment and confidence in spiritual warfare how many of you know we are in a spiritual war our nation right now our world is in a spiritual war and when we spend time with the lord we will gain that confidence in spiritual warfare and then finally and i'm sure there's more but perseverance when we spend time praying with the lord we develop perseverance in prayer that our lives would be a life of prayer 1 Thessalonians five, sixteen through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul is imploring the church in Thessalonica and imploring us today to develop a lifestyle of prayer. That prayer becomes like breathing to us. Just something we naturally do all the time. I have a pastor friend. uh, Actually, he retired from the ministry, and he's now a state trooper. But I woke up one morning. This was about four years ago. And I just had him on my heart. A gentleman named Benji Rhodes, great great man of God. Benji Rhodes had him on my heart. And I just prayed for him all day. Prayed for him all day. Prayed for him all day. And then I went to bed, and I called him the next day. I said, Benji, I was praying for you yesterday. He goes, oh, thank you so much. I had a friend, a non-believing friend from high school that died in a motorcycle accident, and I was giving his funeral. Nobody there knew the Lord, and I felt like the Holy Spirit prompted me to preach the gospel. And as I preached the gospel, at least a few people gave their lives to the Lord at that funeral. And I was like, "Oh man, I was praying for you yesterday." You know, and and like the Holy Spirit will alert us to those things. That's what we should expect when we develop a secret prayer life with the Lord. And then when we bring these types of lifestyle to our public gatherings, we will see depth in worship and in prayer together like we did not know possible. My favorite part of this service is when we say the Lord's Prayer. Well, actually, I have two favorites. I like it all, but I love saying the Apostles' Creed but the Lord's Prayer, there's something so powerful when we, when we sing or say the Lord's Prayer together. There is a spiritual depth that we reach as a congregation that is just so beautiful and unifying before the Lord. It's one of my favorite f- parts of the service. Maybe I can talk Mary Kay into letting us do it twice. <laughs> our corporate prayers must be empowered by our private prayers. When we allow God to shape our prayer lives in secret, he will use it to shape the lives of others in public. Think about that for a second. He will use our prayer lives in secret to to shape the lives of others in public. And then finally, continuing in Matthew, I'm almost done. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. True prayer is born out of true, godly, righteous spirituality. We live in a world where reality is kind of decided by the individual. Uh, We're seeing false spirituality and phony spiritual warfare being displayed and Hollywood, and the music industry, and the entertainment industry, and all around us. And I was thinking, you know, one of the most successful movie franchises in history is a movie franchise called The Conjuring. And just the name just gives me shivers. This is a, it's a movie franchise about two, like, paranormal uh, detectives, or whatever they call them, but... Worldwide, it has gained over $2.2 trillion in box office revenue. And what's concerning to me is we have a generation, we have a world that is learning about spirituality through these types of movies or uh, 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 means or or whatever, through these kinds of uh, entertainment engagements. I believe that the church that prays in private and in public, will display for the world and the next generation an authentic faith that is real and a real power of the Holy Spirit. Youth today are being indoctrinated with this trans ideology, anti-God ideology, this secular humanism, and, as, and, and same-sex relationships as a cultural norm. Spirituality to them is, is, is human-led, and it's regulated by humans and everything else we can imagine. We live in a, I was a substitute teacher in the public schools, we live in a post-Christian world. Young people today, unless their parents rustle them to church, have no concept of Jesus or spirituality. Colossians 2, through 23 says this, "...these rules, which have had to do with the things that are destined to perish with use, are based merely on human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom." With their self imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. If we wanna win our communities for Christ, if we wanna win the next generation for Christ, we need to be a church that displays the power of prayer to the one true God. I believe three things about prayer. Well, I believe a lot, but this is, let me just explain it this way. And then in the last minute or two, prayer produces passion. I do not believe that you can enter into a healthy prayer life and private communion with the Holy Spirit without becoming passionate about him. The Bible says he is a consuming fire in our prayer lives. That's where he reveals himself intimately to us. I also believe that if prayer produces passion, then passion produces passion perseverance when we are passionate about the lord our spirits are energized by his word and his presence we will persevere in our faith we will be patient as we wait on the lord and i agree with luther when he said god may delay but he always comes in other words he may take a while he may not answer our prayers the way we would prefer but he does always answer my wife and I had a good friend named Jennifer Cuellar. Uh, when we first met, she was a worship leader. She was like, uh, her personality was described as a uh, overflowing bottle of, of fizzy drink. Like, you know, you shake up a soda can and you open it, it sprays everywhere. Her personality just bubbled like that. That's just how she was. And she was uh, she was Hawaiian, Hispanic, and Korean. And she was just a bubbling, like little ball of energy and she just loved the Lord. She was a worship leader. She was a discipler. She loved people. She loved the Lord. She came down with uh, leukemia in 2000. I don't remember. I want to say it was 2007 and she needed a bone marrow transplant to find a bone marrow match when you're Korean, Hawaiian, and Hispanic is extremely difficult. And we prayed for a year for her to receive that bone marrow transplant. And after a year, she did receive it. She received the bone marrow transplant. Everything went well, but she got a kidney infection and passed away. And we went, as as young people, as a church, we went before the Lord and we said, this isn't what we prayed for. This isn't what we, we asked for. We asked for a complete healing. She was 25 years old. How could this happen, God? We don't understand. We went to her, her, her wake, and during her wake, she, uh, a song was played. Before she passed away, she recorded a song she wrote to the Lord. And she played that over the uh, loudspeakers at the, at the funeral. And because of that song, many of her family members who did not know the Lord came and surrendered their lives to Jesus. And they read one of her journal entries Uh, years later and she felt like the Lord tell her you're not going to survive this sickness but because of it your whole family is going to come to know the Lord and began to put the pieces together and we saw we found out that not it it didn't happen the way we wanted it we wanted her to live we prayed for her to live but God had something bigger God had saw something that was grander how many of you know when you when you pass away and you know the Lord your reward is coming like, that's good news for you. Don't let the outcome of my prayers and your prayers influence our interpretation of his answer. Finally, if, if, if passion produces perseverance, then perseverance produces power. <laughs> 2 Corinthians ten three through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We display the power of God in our lives through victory over sin and victory over the deeds of darkness. We are in a spiritual world, war. If we peeled back the spiritual atmosphere over our lives, we would see a battle for the souls of our kids and our grandkids and our minds and our hearts and our spirits. The church was birthed because of a spiritual battle. That actually, this church was birthed because of a spiritual battle, if I remember. I've talked to Pastor Gary Jepsen a few times, and he said to me he had to take a stand on biblical principles and he wasn't going to waver against the word of God and here we all are today prayer is powerful and it is worth every effort we give to it let's commit our hearts today to be people of prayer that the community of Graham and Pierce County will know that living word believes in a living God and we are committed to prayer where God meets and develops us. Prayer is a discipline that requires our sacrifice, but will yield righteous and eternal results. One last time, prayer is a discipline that requires our sacrifice, but will yield righteous and eternal results. And here's the last thought. Now, as your pastor, it is my duty and my honor to pray over you. And I pray over you every day. And I go through the list of prayer requests and I pray. But I want to remind you that the same power, the same Holy Spirit, the same authority in prayer that rests on me, rests inside of you too. You have authority and power in prayer. Let's use it.